Chapter 34. Why are you wearing that creepy mask, Sal? Asked Gabby from across the hospital cafeteria table. I didn't answer. I kept my hands folded in my lap and looked at her with a chicken's one-eyed curiosity. She went back to flattening with a fork, not eating the piece of red velvet cake in front of her. You're kind of freaking me out, dude. As Google had taught me on the walk over to the hospital, chickens can't move their eyes. They have to move their whole heads to look at something. I snapped my whole head forward so I could focus both eyes on Gabby like a chicken. Fine, you don't want to talk? We don't have to talk. I can stare right back at you all day long. She stared and I stared and she stared and I stared. Say something, she yelled. I didn't. Her dimples filled with evil glee. We have ways of making you talk, she said. And then she ducked beneath the cafeteria table. I ignored her and passed the time looking around. This place could seat 200 people easy. Each round white tabletop was each round white top table was surrounded by eight cushionless yellow chairs. My guess is that the hospital didn't want to encourage people to stick around for long. Looked like it was working. The cafeteria had exactly three people in it besides me and Gabby. The three custodians all sitting at different tables, clutching their mugs of coffee and tried not to fall asleep. Clutched their mugs of coffee and tried not to fall asleep, even though it was only the afternoon. The cashier was a robot that didn't have legs. It looked like a woman from the waist up, and only one of its eyes still blinked. Its name badge said, Alma. I'm coming to get you, Gabby sang from beneath the table. I'm getting closer, went the song. I'm almost upon you, she tralalaed. You better speak now or you're gonna get it. I didn't. And then Gabby Real, straight A student, student council president and editor of the Rotten Egg, bit my leg. As you might expect from a shark girl, she bit to kill. She clamped her jaws on my calf and threw her head back and forth like a dog with its chew toy. Grr, she said happily. Lucky for me, I hadn't had a chance to update my wardrobe to Florida weather yet. I had on cargo pants instead of, say, cargo shorts that protected my drumstick. It turned Gabby's attempted mauling into a slightly uncomfortable but completely endurable gumming. The, wor the hardest part was not laughing, but freaky dudes in Bauta masks don't laugh. I sat there, unmoving, unperturbed. Three janitors sipped their coffees at the same time. Gabby popped up from beneath the table so fast that all her fighter jet barrettes flew across flew a crisscross pattern in the air for a second before settling back onto her puffball hair. She was frowning. Seriously, Sal, are you okay? She asked. Did something happen? Ploy to get me to talk or genuine concern? I played it safe. I moved my head slowly closer to hers, turning it to study her from weird, inhuman angles, the way Principal Torres had. Then I ducked down beneath the table. When I rose again, I had the other mask in my two hands. I held it out to her. In the wordless way of a loving animal, I gestured with my bauta beak that she should take it. Gabby gave me an evil smile. She grabbed it and was just about to shove it on her face without thinking. Nah, I interrupted her by handing her a note. Still holding the mask in one hand, she took the note, flapped it in the air until it was unfolded, then read it out loud. Gabby Real, girl with a thousand fathers, whose name means reality, knows this. Know this. Once you don this mask, you will cease to be a person. Your body will vanish, and all that will be left of you are the things you live for. All your past deeds, be they good or be they evil, shall define you. So before you replace your own face with that mask, ask thyself, are you prepared to become what you believe? Sal, she said, shocked and kind of thrilled. Did you write that? That is so good. 
You must have written it, because I've never heard it before. And if it existed, I would have heard of it. Oh my god, how did you come up with something so good? You like it, I asked. I just wrote it on the way here. It's not bad, right? I've read it a lot. I read a lot of fantasy, so I'm pretty good at Ha! She yelled in triumph. Made you break character. All it took was a little flattery. She started dancing around the table. Sal always wants to be the star, but vanity won't get him far. Directors will say au revoir if he can't share the cookie jar with the other people. Har, har, har. The left janitor snorted. I wanted to laugh, too. Did she come up with all those rhymes on the spot? Gabby could lay down some bars, but I wasn't going to tell her that that right after she'd burned me. I wasn't going to say a thing. I was just going to stare at her like a one-eyed rooster. Ah, oh, not this again, said Gabby. Come on, Sal, cut the cacaseca. I just tilted my head to the other shoulder in pity for her. Rooster pity. Sal, come on, you were telling me what the homework assignment was. So what have, so what, we have to use the mask to invent a new character? Do we have to create a scene? She tied on her mask. That was my cue. I flew out of my chair and swept over to Gabby, who'd gotten halfway around the table by then. Beg you will, mortal, as all who came before you have, and all who come after you shall. For I am life's end, I am fiend, I am rot and ruin in a pile of bones. You and I will walk... <laughs> You and I will walk you away from your body, arm in arm. We will journey together into the great hereafter. You will not want to come, but you will come with me. You have no choice, for I am death, she guessed, jumping up and down, clapping. She already knew she was right, but I told her anyway. You are correct, my lady, I said, giving her a Renaissance fair bow. We have to create a scene. One of us plays death, and the other one tries to bargain with death. It's... An everyman play, said Gabby. I love everyman plays, said one of the janitors. Of course Gabby knew what an everyman play was. I'd never even heard of an everyman play until today, I admitted, taking my seat again. She started dancing around the table at the top speed. Oh, there's so much fun. You're going to be all like, I am death and you have to die now. And I'll be all like, oh no, I'm not ready, death. Give me more time. And you'll be like, oh no, there is no bargaining with death. And I'll be like, no, death. Have mercy, and you'll be like, too bad, mortal, and I'll be like, why do I have to play death? I interrupted. Ha! Gabby started creeping toward me from halfway around the table, wiggling her fingers. What are you scared? What? Are you scared of death? Um, yes, actually, I've seen what death can do. I wish my voice hadn't cracked. Gabby took off her mask, revealing the tragedy mask her face had become. Sal, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to trigger you. You're probably still suffering from post-traumatic... Post Stress disorder from the death of your beautiful mother. And here I am making jokes. I'm just feeling so much better ever since I heard that Iggy's out of the woods. Now I'm all like, ha, suck it, death. My baby bro beat you again, as if he defeated death forever. But that's just plain ignorant of me and insensitive. Please forgive me. It's easier to forgive when you're wearing a mask. So I kept mine on for a little while longer. It's all good. I wanted to play death anyway. I texted the Padres for two favors. Can I sleep at the hospital tonight? And could you bring some stuff from home? It's for a drama assignment. Yes and yes. It really helps to have great Padres. I'm lucky and I know it. While we waited for them to arrive, Gabby and I knocked out all our non-theater homework for Monday. And P.S. If you ever want to do the best homework of your life, partner with Gabby Real. Seriously, by the time we'd finished, I felt like I'd grown an extra little brain on my left shoulder to hold all the new knowledge I had. I think it might be whispering to me still. The Padres walked into the cafeteria around dinner time, horsing around as usual. 
They each had a box filled with props and costumes and toiletries and a few changes of underwear. They kept ramming into each other like bumper cars. I had bought three espressos, one for each of them and one for Gabby, who, you guessed it, was already addicted to coffee, and had them waiting on our table. I kept smacking Gabby's hand away from hers so we could all drink espresso together. Well, except me. I had water. I don't drink caffeine. The magicians need steady hands. I'd also gotten them a thank you flan for everyone except me to share. The Padres sat down and were very grateful. They hadn't had anything to eat since lunch. I told them it was important not to skip meals. What, I said, do you want to end up in the hospital or something? Trolling parents is fun. The Padres asked about Iggy, and Gabby cheerfully related how well he'd responded to a new drug regimen, and how she just couldn't wait for all this to be over and have her little brother safe at home. We toasted to our drinks to that. Once the flan was gone, Gabby sidled over to American Stepmom and chatted her up. She seemed especially interested in talking to her. I wonder why. I wondered why, paranoidly. Whatever. That gave Pappy a chance to ask me the big question he had for today. So, how was gym class today? Health and wellness, I corrected. Yes, right. Did anybody beat the red zone today? Nope. Humans don't get shocked or stunned. They get asombrado. Mysterious shadows cross their faces when they're confused. All sorts of shadows crossed Pappy's face now. Really? I mean, I thought after, and then he shut his mouth fast enough that I heard his teeth clack. Ha! He'd almost admitted he had called Mr. Lenat. I took the opportunity to torture him a little more. After American and stepmom and I figured out how I could cheat, uh, to get to the top? Oh, I decided not to cheat after all. You seemed so opposed to the idea, Pappy. I couldn't go against your wishes. I see, he said carefully. And the red zone was as hard as ever? Oh, yeah. I mean, Mr. Lenat had tried to make it easier for us. Everyone was so mad, treating us like babies. How could he? We changed it back to the hard wall and made fun of him all period. I mean, how clueless can a chacho be? Pappy sipped espresso. Yeah, what a sandwich. We both decided it was a good time to check in on Gabby and American Stepmom's conversation. What's it like being Sal's mom? Gabby was asking. I bet he's a real handful around the house. American Stepmom turned her surprised mouth into a smile. A handful? That's not what I would say. Sal is incredibly talented. I've never met anyone so driven to succeed. Well, you've only just met me, said Gabby. American Stepmom laughed and blinked, and blinked a little more without laughing. Sal is extraordinary. Has he shown you any magic tricks yet? Gabby gave her a look. Oh, yes. Have you seen the one where he throws a spider at your face? We should head upstairs, I said, piling both boxes in my arms and heading for the elevator. I led the way to the waiting room where Gabby's mom and her many, many dads had set up camp. Reina Real greeted us the second we walked in. She wore a parrot bright outfit, but her hairdo fell around her shoulders in ruins. She should have sued her mascara company for claiming it was tearproof. She cried when she saw me. Cried whenever one of Gabby's dads came or left. Cried as she accepted good wishes from visitors. Cried when doctors and nurses told her there had been no change in Ignacio's condition. Cried as she prayed rosaries in groups and cried to herself when she thought no one was looking. But here's the thing. Her crying never kept her from smiling, laughing, joking, listening, thinking, or caring for anyone else. She just cried and did everything else she would normally do. When she met Pappy and American Stepmom for the first time, she cried and hugged them and said, No es facile, over and over. She lavished praise on the Padres, telling them how wonderful it was of them to come visit, how good-looking they were, and what a caballero of a son they had raised. They were most welcome, and now they must eat. 
Before she knew what had happened, American stepmom was balancing a heaping paper plate of steaming food in her hands, fresh from the infinite buffet of Cuban goodies against the left wall. She looked at me, panic in her eyes. I shrugged. What can you do? A Cuban mom is going to feed you. Poppy, thoroughly trained in the ways of grieving Cubans, understood exactly what was happening and couldn't wait to get his plate. He didn't have to wait long. I got to watch as Poppy and American stepmom introduced themselves to the five of to the five of Gabby's dads who were in the room for this shift. Pappy kept waiting for American stepmom to freak out when she shook hands with dad, the final frontier. And American stepmom kept waiting for Pappy, who still seemed confused about even their own marriage sometimes, to freak out about this many people claiming to be Gabby's dads. But no one freaked out. Everyone was nice. No one forgot that the reason we were all sitting in a hospital waiting room was because two floors down, a little boy was fighting for his life. I love it when adults remember to behave themselves. They forget all the time. Hard to blame them, though. They haven't been kids in a, for a long time. Gabby and I left the adults to their working, to their networking, or whatever adults did when they were alone. We went to visit Iggy. Well, first we went back to the cafeteria so I could pick up an espresso for Nurse Sorolongo. Excuse me. When I gave it to her at the NICU reception desk, she said, you are officially my best friend in the entire world. Then squinting hard at me, she asked, you didn't put anything in it, did you? She sniffed her cup like a squirrel. He didn't, chimed Gabby. I watched him the whole time. You have to keep your eyes on Sal, you know. Dime tu, she caca seca. The second chacalumbe, chacumbele here walked in the hospital. I knew he'd be nothing but trouble. What the heck was this? I opened my arms and told her what she should have said to me. Thank you, Sal, for bringing me coffee. That was so considerate of you, Sal. Of course. I know you wouldn't try to poison my ca cafe, Sal. Next time, I buy you espresso. Last time, I buy you espresso. Uh, da -da -da. Nurse Sotolongo shot out of her chair, ran around the reception desk, and enveloped me in a feet-off-the-floor embrace. No, Chacho, no, don't say that. I need my cafecitos. I worked more than 60 hours this, this week, and I still have to get through tonight before I can go to sleep until Monday. If you don't bring me coffee, who will? You work 60 hours a week, asked Gabby. Sister, you need a union. Tell me about it, but it's never going to happen. The medical establishment thinks working nurses to death is good for their character. I did a report on unions last year. I know a lot about them now. If you want, I could help you start planning how to, um, I said, put me down? Nurse Sotolongo looked down and remembered that she'd been crushing me that whole time. You bring me a cafecito the next time you're here? Yes. Promagato. Prometado. I promise. She dropped me. And that, she said, turning to Gabby, is how you handle chacumbeles. I pick them up and squeeze them until they give you what you want. Gabby replied, got it. They high-fived. I was worried that during the high-five, one of them would notice that I'd stolen Nurse Sotolongo's Fitbit off her wrist, but they didn't. Gabby also didn't notice when I slipped it into her backpack as we walked to Iggy's room. And that's how you handled getting double-teamed. I should high-five myself more often. There was less space in Iggy's room for humans now because it all had been taken up by tall, hot machines. They babbled to each other in the language of computer beeps. They muttered to themselves like old dogs. They talked in their sleep. No room for chairs anymore, so Gabby and I had to stand. We stood on opposite sides of the incubator with our four hands on its lid, like we were healers 
trying to cast a cure disease spell. Iggy lay sleeping inside. He was in just a diaper and a little red hat today. They had tubes up his nose and a tube in his mouth that went all the way down his throat. A fat IV was taped to his right wrist. Another was taped to his right foot. The skin off his hand, the skin of his hands was peeling off. It's okay, Sal, said Gabby. It's going to be okay. At first, I felt embarrassed and angry that she'd caught me wiping my eye, but I've been in therapy long enough to know that I just had to wait a second to get to let the feelings pass. Gabby was just being kind. Therapy also taught me what to say next. You don't have to tell me it's going to be okay, Gabby. I've been in hospitals a lot. When people lie to make you feel better, you feel worse. Yeah, she was almost crying. Yeah, I know. I hate it when people lie to me. I had been through a lot of the same feelings before, when Mammy was in the hospital. My memories, all the confusion and helplessness I felt back then, rolled themselves into a ball and settled in my throat and made it hard to breathe. So time for some calming techniques. And time to express my feelings out loud. I took deep, slow breaths. I closed my eyes, concentrated on the warmth of the incubator under my palms. And then I said, none of this should be happening to Iggy. I feel sad and angry and powerless. Powerless, Gabby repeated. The way she said it made me open my eyes. She leaned her head back, breathing through her mouth, and the fighter jet barrettes on, in her hair all did a nosedive toward the floor. That's why I'm so wrecked inside. So, and here she gritted her teeth, hissed off. I want to fix this so bad. I know, I said. I really, really know. In other universes, Mammy is alive. Gabby nodded for me to keep going. I kept, I came around to stand next to her, put my hands again on the incubator. There are other cells out there who never lost their mammies. Somewhere out there in the infinite reaches of space, there's a mammy who's alive and well and just waiting for me to find her. Does it help knowing that? I shook my head. It makes everything worse. The multiverse is infinite. I can't search all of it. All of infinity. I have to get so lucky. I'd have to get so lucky to find the right mammy that Pappy says it's a statistical impossibility. Gabby nodded in sympathy. Statistical is the worst kind of impossible because it acts like there's a chance when there isn't. I wanted to cry, which always makes me want to hide. To fight the urge, I looked Gabby in the eye and said, it's hard to take. How am I supposed to take that? How can I take it if Iggy but she didn't finish. Instead, her face was lit from within by an idea. Oh, said Gabby, her hands dropping to her side. This is how it happened. I bunched my eyebrows. How what happened? How you broke the universe? I was about to complain, but she corrected herself. No, not broke. Broke through to other universes to see your mammy again. I nodded, and now I can't seem to stop. The machine suddenly came alive, singing a choir song of bleep, bleep. Bob. We all looked around, scared something bad was happening, but the machines went back to their normal conversations in a few seconds, and Nurse Sotolongo didn't come charging in. Everything was okay for now. Gabby stared hard at Iggy. Her fingers clawed at the top of the incubator. I mean, what if you don't need to stop? What if you just have to learn the right way to do it? I thought of the other Gladys's Sal. Maybe? And then I added, today I snorted a calamitron. What? I laughed and then gave her a 15-minute lesson on calamity physics, which, trust me, covered pretty much everything anyone knows about it. Ask Poppy if you don't believe me. I could see why teachers like, liked Gabby. The longer I calamity explained, the more excited she became. At the end of my lecture, Gabby gripped my arms. Do you know what this means, Sal? I looked at each, 
in each of her hands until one by one she let go. No, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. It means you can fix the universe. She did a skip twirl dance around the incubator. Then collecting herself, she stopped and putting both hands on the incubator and peering in, she became suddenly thoughtful. We need to conduct more experiments immediately. I can show you on Monday before first period. I suddenly remembered the entropy sweeper. I'd been so distracted by my conversation with Principal Torres that I'd forgotten all about it. I should probably try to get it from the school before Pappy missed it. Or maybe sooner? Maybe, said Gabby, the fighter jets in her hair scrambling wildly. Are you kidding? We're going now, right now, this very second. 